Hello, Healing Matters family. This is Danielle here at the Black Healing Matters podcast, and we today have another great episode that will hopefully get you one step closer to your healing. And today, of course, is Thursday, and you know what it is. That means we like to catch someone in the act, not of doing wrong, but of doing right. So yes, it is doing the right things Thursday. And today I'd like to highlight someone that I've come across that I believe is a true trailblazer. I'm going to actually play a a video of interview with her that uh, was done, I believe a few years ago. And this interview, you can see her, uh, her particular view. Yes, it's her. Uh, her name is Melence Bart Williams. And she is the creative director of an organization in Sierra Leone, as, as well as she wears many hats, uh, designer and, and many things. But really, her views on Africa and how Africa can begin to um, reestablish itself for itself is, is truly um, revolutionary. And I believe there's there's really not many people like her. So as you listen to this, I hope that you can gain some perspective on what's really happening in Africa right now. Uh, because for so many of us outside of the continent in the diaspora, Africa is this place of you know lions and tigers and no running water and um, you know poverty. But the truth is that Africa is one of the, the fastest growing economies in the world, many countries in Africa. And it's on, on target to really uh, be a world powerhouse. And now is the time really for black Americans, especially black folks in the diaspora all over the world to really get our hands into Africa because the gold rush has begun. And uh, I guess I mean that in every way possible. So having said that, please take the next 30 minutes, listen to this interview with Miss Melence Bart Williams as she talks about Africa and really some of the challenges and um, responsibilities that Africa will take and the kind of paradigm shift is how you can see maybe even yourself in the future of Africa. All right. On that note, Black Healing Matters family, please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Um, of course, favorite our state, favorite this station, or get at us on the YouTube channel, Facebook group, <laughs> or of course, SoundCloud. Love you much as always. Stay blessed. Black Healing Matters. Can you tell us in a short um, three or four sentence who Malens Bart Williams is? <laughs> Malens is Malens. It's difficult to put me in a box. I would say I'm an extremely versatile person. Already my my heritage is so vast. It's European, it's African, it's a little bit of Asian. I've lived around the globe, studied around the globe, I've worked around the globe, and um, a global villager probably would applies best to me. Mm-hmm. 
a globetrotter, as they say on the net, because you've been to Singapore, Asia, I mean, everywhere. Yeah. Maybe we should ask, where did you, where have you not been? <laughs> the world is vast, so many places I have not visited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and um, you are here now in Namibia. What, what brings you here? Mm, it's a conference that the University of Namibia is hosting, and we are um, intending to create a dialogue about a lot of issues that concern Namibia in this day and age. Mm. And what are those issues in your view? Mm, they might differ on the perspective of the individual um, people that partake at the university. Their take is from poverty to prosperity. However, my individual perspective is poverty is not is not present. Namibia is not a poor country. So I would say, how do we redefine prosperity? I would, me personally, I ignore the poverty aspect. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Because it's not true. Namibia is not poor. Namibia has been looted. Namibia has been robbed. Namibia has been colonized. Namibia has lived under apartheid. Mm. But we have extreme levels of poverty. Yes, as a result of this. Mm. You know, if I come to your house and I rob you, it will be empty. Does that make you a poor person? No. You mentioned colonialism, apartheid. Mm -hmm. You are from, as you said earlier, German origin. Yes. You come directly from that and we have uh, a situation where we talk about reparations yes. between Namibia and Germany. Mm -hmm. There's an apology forthcoming from the German government now, 26 years after independence. Is it coming? Yeah, well, that, that is what we, we learn from what we read. Uh, exactly so. Coming from Germany yourself, what are your views on this? My views are, um, I'm utterly ashamed that my ancestors committed such atrocities, unthinkable atrocities, crimes against humanity, to wipe out an entire people, the Herero, almost completely. Um, I feel even more ashamed that with a great chancellor like Mrs. Merkel, we as Germans are not in the position to take a stand as we've done with dealing with the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust, and that is what puzzles me more, you know, because what happened is one thing, but what we make of our history, that is what really defines us, you mm. know. And presently, the ignorance and the passiveness of Germany, it's not a good look. Mm -hmm. It's not a good look. But uh, Namibia and Germany enjoys a special relationship um, from independence. I mean, immediately after independence, or even before independence, the Bundestag uh, adopted the resolution saying that Namibia is a special place in German relations because yeah. of the history. What do you make of that? I would like to ask you, what you, do you make of that? If you're a special friend, because you like to perceive the Germans as friendly and we have this special relationship, we're friends, your special friend is not in the position to apologize, recognize, take responsibility for their mistakes. Do you really consider that a friendship? Well, is that rooted in respect and honor? Well, respect and friendship are not only based on... on based on, on respect, and that is utterly disrespectful. It's fundamental, according to you. Yes. But uh, we, we also are the biggest uh, development recip uh, cooperation recipient from Germany in Africa. Isn't that the least somebody that can do that looted you and murdered you? Isn't that the very least? Is that something to clap and applaud for? 
Something has to happen in the mindsets of people here because I come across this quite a lot and that's what's saddening me where I see the mental brainwashing has been, has taken its toll on people that they came to believe that this is all they deserve, you know, after what has happened. You have to understand that so-called developed countries would not be where they were if it wasn't for free labor, free resources, and so on, so on, so on, that they took from countries like Namibia, you know, and many others across the world. So we can't just refer to a first world and a third world. We can't refer to a world uh, or, or countries that have previously been colonized, and we can refer to countries that have colonized and made use of free resources and free labor, and that's why they're ahead of others. And that's the very least they can do is give a little. But I feel that's not enough. Mm -hmm. what, what do you, you say should be done? What, what, what should be done? How should Germany make up? Germany this? should deal according to their own laws. And according to their own laws, they define people that commit such atrocities as terrorists. In Germany, we prosecute them. If you come to Germany, and you come by means of force and violence and murder, you're immediately prosecuted. If you come to Germany as a refugee, as an immigrant, without a visa, you're illegal, your status is illegal. You cannot just run into the government, kill our president, take over, impose your laws and issue yourself own passports and become a citizen. That just doesn't work anywhere in the world. And what I find puzzling is that the West takes a moral high ground um, they impose laws that everybody has to abide by, however they fa fail to abide by their own laws when it comes to territories outside of their own borders, you know, and this is actually not very logical. But the developed world has always made the rules. That's fine, let's m let them make the rules, but then let's all abide by these rules. A terrorist is a terrorist by definition. An illegal immigrant is an illegal immigrant by definition, not by color or religion, you know, not because you come from Syria makes you an illegal immigrant. Then if we just can come to places and assume citizenship, then fine, you know, if I can go to China at gunpoint, get my passport, if it works like that, then, then, then let's establish those laws and live by them, you know, but if that is considered illegal by the laws that we all came to live by, because these laws were created in Europe, America, based their jurisdictory system on European law. You know, part of the laws that you have here are based on these laws, but the people that have formed these laws, they should also live by these laws. You know, otherwise, it's not the rest of the world that looks stupid, it's them that look stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, just coming back to, again, to Namibia. Um, you have been here for, I think, one, uh, one and a half days. Mm -hmm. what, are, what is your impression of the country? I cannot speak about the country, I've only been to the capital and 
looks like a German suburb, like a town, small town like Dortmund or wherever, you know. But like you, what about the infrastructure, what about the... The buildings, I mean Germans, let's say Bauhaus is one of our great exports when it comes to architecture and then of course um, many centuries ago there was beautiful architecture but everything that let's say since the early yeah since about a century ago the uh, German has nothing to show for in terms of architecture it's not our greatest export and so it's saddening to see that this is something they imposed on this place as well you know but I think you need to give us more credit uh, 26 years after independence we are the fourth most competitive country in, in the region. We, I think we ranked in the 50s. We are the most, I mean, in Africa, the freest press. Uh, we have those. Uh, I think you need to give us some, a little no, bit No, I'm press. not giving, trying to discredit you. Please don't misunderstand me. Mm -hmm. um, but this is something that Namibians developed. It's not what was here put here by the colonializer, mm -hmm. you know? So that is what you should take credit for. And I'm happy to discover that but you asked me what my first impression was and my first impression in terms of infrastructure landing here it looks like I landed in Dortmund mm -hmm. what would you have expected if you have not seen pictures of Namibia before I've not really seen pictures of course I've seen beautiful pictures of tribes and and landscapes and so on you know that is what interests me personally you know this is like okay I can go to Dortmund and I wouldn't go there you know not even for free and um, so I've been to South Africa so I already knew that I would be expecting something similar so the culture shock was not like tremendous for mm -hmm. me but of course if I have more time I would love to discover the real Namibia the African Namibia the authentic Namibia I'm sure you will have time the culture of the people not what somebody said hey take this this suits you you know i'm sure you will have time i think unam is a good host always. yeah they are excellent mm -hmm. hosts yes now we talked about poverty from mm -hmm. poverty to prosperity you said your definition of prosperity something else could you elaborate yes because from poverty to prosperity that already implies that namibia is a poor country which is it it isn't mm. as i said it has been colonized it has been looted it has suffered from apartheid. Mm. Apartheid is one of the worst crimes against humanity, okay? So um, that is almost like saying after Reichskristallnacht, the Jewish Jews were poor. Mm. It's just like, no, something happened here. Mm. You know, it's like talking to a doctor that will just analyze the symptoms. That is not healing, you know, and that will never never really tackle the root and will not um, solve the problem. Namibia is not poor. It's the question should be how can we redefine prosperity? How can we improve prosperity? How can we um, readdress our resources? You know, that should be the question. But poverty um, is a consequence of what has happened here. You know, these are symptoms. Namibia is not poor. The average, the average American is poorer than the average Namibian, so let's put it that way. And these, these are numbers that is, that is something you can quantify. Mm. So realignment of resources and um, perhaps reprioritizing, adding value to 
our minerals and our products that mm -hmm. we take out. Would you say that would help in terms of uh, creating prosperity for Namibia? I believe so, because at this point in the 21st century, Namibia competes on a global market, you know, because of what has happened. But let's be very honest, Namibia has not been poor before being invaded by terrorism, apartheid, colonialism, and whatever you want to call it. You know, in the modern terms, we would define it as terrorism. Back then, it was called colonialism, conquest, apartheid. Namibia was not poor before then, you know. So basically, Namibia is ridding themselves of the aftermath of a disease, you know. Namibia had a cancer, so to speak, you know, and it still doesn't have regrown its hair. You know, it's still suffering from that chemotherapy. Namibia is bold at the moment, but Namibia is not poor. It's one of the richest countries in the world. Mm. Now, uh, the new administration of uh, President Gamecock has mm -hmm. developed what it calls the Harambe Prosperity Plan, mm -hmm. uh, taking from the Swahili word of let's pull together. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, have you have you had any insight on the plan and what are Not at all. But from from this, uh, I mean, it, it works on on like five pillars to help accelerate uh, prosperity, mm -hmm. reducing poverty, reducing, I mean, increasing economic growth and so on. Uh, what would you, because it's uh, like... What a are the five pillars? Plan. Uh, infrastructure development, poverty reduction is, is mm -hmm. a major one. Um, education. Uh, yeah, education definitely. I mean, at this Health. time, uh, and something from Germany is, again, uh, vocational education training. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a major aspect of the plan as well because uh, nowadays we look at getting offers jobs, we're looking at going for a degree. We, we don't really value artisans a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so the plan in a broad sense, uh, uh, focusing on, on those, on those mm -hmm. issues. But from the little I, I gave to you, mm -hmm. what, what are your views on, on such a plan? Because mm. it coordinates all efforts. It, it, it um, cuts waste states uh, where it doesn't, it's not required and so on. A plan is a plan, you know. A plan is always only as great as the people that execute it and the manner in which it is executed. So. I personally cannot really comment on the plan. We would have to wait and, and see down the line what happens. You know, you would in the, be in a better position to assess your people, to see how willing and able they are, they are to push forward. I mean, look at a, a nation like Singapore, what they have pulled on it off in 60 years. But that is a very unique kind of mentality, a unique, it's a unique nation, you know, so a plan and a similar, I'm, 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 I'm giving this example because then Lee Kuan Yew had a similar plan, you know, and he pulled it off mm. very successfully though. Um, and so, I don't know, the plan sounds good. You know, yeah. the plan sounds good, let's and put it that way. And uh, let's pull in one direction, Harambe. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Swahili, I like pulling, that. pulling together everybody. Yes, mm -hmm. I like that. Now, um, just uh, I want to make reference to the TED talk that you had mm -hmm. um, in 2015, where you, where you spoke about um, aid yeah. uh, and what Africa's role is in terms of giving also to the to the Western world, the developed mm -hmm. world, and, and how we should re give redefine that relationship. 
Yeah, number one, we all must be very careful in our terminology. I feel every day we feed into the lie. You know, we all have played this telltale game since the beginning of time. By the way, we've been brainwashed through history, misconstrued history in schools and so on, you know, where we've been taught one perspective, the perspective of the colonizer around the world. And um, so we need to all acknowledge that aid is not coming from the Western world to Africa. It never has, never. Aid is coming from Africa to the Western world. The Western world would not be able to survive not even a year without Africa, you know? And um, so me, my lens, I think what, 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 what is a characteristic that defines me, I'm very, particular and try to be immaculate with my word and with my language and define my own truth that I consider an absolute truth not because the media has instilled it in me or books have instilled it in me um, the truth is that that a lot of things are not the way they are being portrayed you know and um, yeah Africa is rich Africa doesn't need nobody you know Africa I feel is suffering also from a cancer you know and the cancer has been European invasion and and these cancerous cells that are still like meomes all over the continent um, Africa is is gradually ridding themselves of that cancer you know so mental slavery these are, I would say, symptoms of the cancer, you know, because if you suffer from cancer, it will have a psychological effect on you. Mm -hmm. And, but Africa is not poor, never has been, you know, it's been portrayed, it has been looted, and it's being looted as we speak. So, it's a constant battle. Yes, so as a filmmaker also, you, you didn't speak about that, but um, would you say then, Africa should tell its own story? Yeah. Indeed, because there is a beautiful African proverb, until the lion tells its own story, the hunter will always glorify, the hunter will always be glorified. And um, that is exactly what's the case in, in, in regards to Africa. Africa doesn't, yeah, needs to tell its own story, not just through the medium of film, but in schools. You know, where do we get our books from? How, how, how dare we assume? Huh. How dare we assume? Yeah, I love it. It's nature. <laughs> How dare we assume to speak a language of somebody that brought nothing but pain? You know, when I go to South Africa and I hear people speak Afrikaans, it stirs a feeling of nausea because for me it's something to listen to that, it's so repulsive, number one, because it it's, it defines a very low social status, not exactly a very intellectual language. And I love language. I love the beauty of language. And it's a very primitive dialect. Let's, let's say that it's not a language. But that people that have been victim of such a system assume that, you know, by which this system has been, has been introduced. I find, I find, this is sad to see. You know, we need to write our own, our own 
history, we need to teach our own history in schools according to what we believe and, and according to what is rooted in our own tradition, our own ancestry, you know, and I feel when you look at a tree, no tree can really, really, really grow. And this storm is a perfect example. When you look at the wind, a wind will immediately unroot a tree that is not deeply rooted, you know? So every crown is only as big as its roots. And that is what needs to happen in Africa. Poverty this, plan this, plan that. Unless we are really rooted into our own what belongs to us, 100% tradition, we cannot grow grand and large as we would like. Best example, uh, Nigeria. There's no question about Nigerian culture when you go to Nigeria. Not for one second will you question their identity. Look how they have excelled, you know? And my percep perception of the, of the infrastructure Fair enough, you know, it's okay if, if foreign um, architecture firms come and build things. That happens everywhere around the world. But when you go to the Middle East, when you go to the Emirates, yes, all these buildings were not built by necessary, uh, necessarily by, by Middle Eastern companies, but not for a second do you question their identity, you know? And I feel this is where we need to start with our identity and the rest is a byproduct. Growth is a byproduct. Once youth and young people know their identity, they'll be so so strong, they're unstoppable. You know, it will be that solid tree that will with, withstand every storm and grow just naturally, mm. naturally. Mm. And that is what I want to see in Africa. Mm -hmm. And, and the, you are doing this with the, your project in Sierra Leone with the mm -hmm. lion base, mm -hmm. uh, the guy. Uh, talk to us about that. Uh, I mean, you took uh, 21 kids yeah. from the streets, I mean gangsters and people who don't yeah. really, you were in fact warned about not going to the bridge where they mm -hmm. live. Uh, you went in there and they accepted it. Yeah. Uh, but a, not a Sierra Leone, Sierra Leonean yourself, I mean in the true sense of uh, given your, your background, how did you manage that and why did you feel like that it's something that you need to do? I was always compelled to do something for my country. And I say, my, my country, Sierra Leone, is as much my home sure. as, sure. as Germany is. Mm. My mother is German, my father is Sierra Leonean, mm. and then I have some Asian roots also. Um, since the war had ended, and initially I was thinking along the conventional lines of raising funds or probably even associating with an organization and so on, and then I, I realized, okay, these are all no options, and I was confronted with harsh realities when coming to that area. You know, I was coming to that area because I, I also worked as a stylist and creative director for music videos and so on in Germany. I was making an outfit for my brother who's a musician and, mm -hmm. um, and I saw them from a bird's eye perspective under this bridge and I always wondered what, I did they, what must have happened for you to have ended up here. And that was a question nobody could answer. All people did was warn me and I saw them, S this so-called gang leader was sometimes on, on above, you know, on top of this bridge and I would say hi, I wouldn't even know that he was from down there. Mm -hmm. And then I asked him at one point, you know, and we went to the beach and they told me their stories and then 
they took me down there and I saw and I realized I don't have time to raise money, build a school, this or that. These guys do not know what to eat today, you know? And then it gradually evolved and I realized, okay, what can I do? Or I thought, what can I do with what I have? Let's not focus on what I don't have. I don't have these millions or whatever that I thought I needed to, to realize what I was envisioning. And um, then because of the initiatives I took, I also caused problems for them. So I had to take responsibility because they were regularly being attacked by police in violent manner because through the initiatives and the fashion, the sneakers, whatever we created, they, I, I urged them to, everybody had to open their bank accounts. They received a monthly allowance, you know, so they were able to feed themselves, stay, stay away from crime basically, and pay for a teacher you know, to just learn the basics of reading, writing. They were still living in the streets at the time. And because the police kept harassing them at the first of every month because they knew they would receive their money right. and beat them up and so on. So I knew they would never get an apartment in Syria and I had to take, to take them into my house. And, and that was another journey that began mm. and a beautiful exchange, mm. full of challenges, of course. Yeah. Eventually I was kicked out of my apartment, <laughs> but it was worth it, you know? It was worth it if you look at what they have achieved. Some of them, I mean, all of them, I think, have never had school. No, uh, before, yeah. Yeah, and they are now, some of them have graduated. Yes. As you were saying in your talk that uh, the, the stuff they are doing, the sneakers they are producing, the designs they are doing, mm -hmm. are being worn by icons, African, I mean, fashion icons around the world. Yeah. Um, so what do you have achieved? It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, but I think if you have a vision, if you believe, and you don't listen to naysayers, then yeah, you'll accomplish what you want. I think you are being too modest about that, uh, Malin. In my case, it works like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, also but I'm not saying that it was just 100% success stories. Some of them, mm -hmm. I mean, you always want the very best for all of your Okay, children is not the right term because th we were like, no, they were much younger than me. Yeah, mm -hmm. but with more say like brothers, you know, but I had a little bit of a motherly role mm -hmm. there. Um, and some will go the extra mile and some just won't, you know, they just won't have the discipline. But this project was never intended to last forever. It was intended to get them out of this miserable situation of having to steal, mm -hmm. having to kill a cat or a rat just to have your next mm -hmm. meal, you know or to beg or whatever and um in that sense it's been a hundred percent success you know because they've all come out of this gutter and some yeah they they're in great jobs you know filmmakers and international firms and this and that but some have not accomplished as much as they could have you know and um but they're all on their own now and um so my focus is now on, on very young children. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that is where the issue of uh, not charity, but charity comes mm -hmm. from. Could you explain that? Yeah, charity for me, I feel charity, CH, in the classical sense is very condescending, you know, and considering that I'm coming to Africa, how dare I? It's almost going to 
I don't know, Queen Victoria and saying, hey, here's a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. Have you eaten today? You know, I feel it's very insulting to come and bring charity here. And generally, which benefit does it has? I also, I'm not the kind of, I don't believe in parenthood that just gives and gives and gives and gives to their children. I feel everything needs to be accomplished. That is what you truly own, you know? So I, I always believe in, in an exchange. I believe in these guys, they own this experience that we had together for these four years. Nobody will ever be able to take that from them. What they make out of that, that's up to each individual, you know? But if I now would have given them this, given them that, given them this, given them that, as it comes, this is the way things go away again, you know? So I wasn't raised like that, you know? I had to work for everything, kind of, you know? I mean, my parents, they gave me everything I needed, but I started to, to earn money from a very early age, eight or nine years, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. And my father always promoted, I had to excel in school, be the best of my class or whatever, in order to be awarded with whatever I wanted, you know? And I believe in that. It has worked for me. It has, has helped me to excel in life. And um, I would like to pass that on. And the concept of charity, in terms of sharing, is based on, on the proposition that we meet on eye level with mutual respect. And I receive from you whilst I give to you. And I, you receive from me whilst you give to me. And they have like given me also so much, like living together, the experiences, also get, having a glimpse into another person's life, you know? I feel only when you give, you understand how rich you are and the, the wealth that that gives to you is immeasurable. So what this has given to me is immeasurable. Mm -hmm. No, it, it's really fascinating and I, I I mean, we could talk for, about this for, for a long time. But you, I see you also went for a hairstylist. Uh, <laughs> are you assimilating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that to be a bit more comfortable with blending in? <laughs> no, you didn't see my <laughs> hair so before I had braids. Um, growing up in Germany, these things like relaxers and all that was never available mm -hmm. and it wasn't something that was promoted maybe it was but my father my mom they never promoted that so i've had a weave twice in my life once it lasted for maybe an hour till my mom saw me took a big pair of scissors and cut it off mm -hmm. and the other day i had one for like two weeks when i visited my mom she did the same thing and um, usually, I always, you know, then because I fell very sick and what happened to my hair, I had to shave part off and cut it short. But since then, I have been regrowing it and I always do braids or, or, or I leave it mm -hmm. natural. I mean, I have had like long, a lot of Afro hair for most of my life. Mm -hmm. So this is very practical, you know, yeah. I get up in the morning, it's like that. Or and they didn't have time to do the long braids now yeah. because I had to meet you. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Uh, it's been really a, a real pleasure. To mm -hmm. be Likewise. Yes, um, but to wrap it all up, any last words from your side? Last words is 
be proud of yourself. Be truly proud of your heritage. You know, be proud of who you are. Like the blood that runs in your veins. It came from very, very far. Be proud of that, you know, and and don't belittle yourself because what you mentioned before, it's time to move away from from a cultural village. Something intrigued me about the way you said it, you know. Um, I don't know if it's just my perception or how you meant it, but I feel it's very important for us to be proud of ourselves. Very much. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thanks. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah I, I think we, um, we need to still continue with the interaction. I wanted to know if we want to use some footage of, of the project. Um, would we be allowed to? Yes, maybe go you're on allowed YouTube to. Yes, certainly. Um, you have to understand, people are always under the assumption they go to Surreal and there's workshops and this and that. Mm -hmm. These boys, these 21 boys, they have all branched out now, mm -hmm. you know, doing their own thing. And yeah. now I've started to work with, but it's just in its baby steps, with 248 orphans. They mm -hmm. were all orphaned in a village that was worst affected by Ebola. Mm -hmm. So that is my present project. And, um, but you're welcome to use any of the footage, mm -hmm. you know, that you find. And even the ones that you are currently busy with now. Yeah, I also have some footage about mm -hmm. that. We have just started.